This is Fresh Courage with Jason Rogers, where we dive deep into the stories of inspiring individuals to gain your own fresh courage. Awesome. Tony Giroux, my boy from San Diego. Um, welcome to another episode, uh, ladies and gentlemen, of the Fresh Courage podcast. I'm here with one of my very best friends, Tony Giroux from San Diego. Um, Tony and I go way back from... I, I gotta say we were we were kids uh in middle school, high school where we first met, running with the same crew. And uh and I've seen we've seen each other grow, right? Not just you, uh, but me as well. You've seen me grow up. And um I'm just so excited to be able to have Tony on the podcast today. Um so Tony, uh thank you so much for for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate the invites. Um, it's honestly an honor. It's humbling. I, <laughs> I love the opportunity uh, to jump in there and, you know, share whatever story. I, I loved what you said uh, earlier in the day when you mentioned this is an opportunity to really leave a keepsake or have something there for kids, kids or family or just, you know, I, I think that's just, gosh. Uh, and while it's still fresh in my mind and, and I'm still able to speak on it. And so thank you for the opportunity to do that and uh, to be a part of uh, your new venture. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> when I first was thinking about this, um, this podcast and, and I had several people in mind that I wanted to share their stories and I've just been so fortunate enough to be a part of a, a, a small part of of your story and some of the major changes that you've made in your life that have been such a blessing and a miracle. Um, and so I just, I felt like the world needed to hear Tony's story um, of absolute fresh courage, um, really just grinding in into the depths of what life can bring us at times. And, um, and not only like pushing through, but being triumphant um, on the other side of a lot of, uh, a lot of challenging times in your life. And the funny thing is, man, like when, when I look back from an outsider, from a, from a friend perspective, you always seem to still just be like, just own it. You were never a victim of circumstances. You were always standing in your power of, of where the circumstances, uh, put you. So, um, I, I really want to give you a chance to share your story um, with the viewers and the listeners um, today, Tony, and maybe we could just start out with sharing with us um, how you grew up and how your upbringing uh, kind of shaped the, the path and direction that you took in life. Okay, good. It's such a, you know, it's a, it's a powerful question, you know, what parts of it you know, do you share and talk about, um, you know, what the, the one that comes to mind as far as growing up is my mother, right? Uh, she's a hard worker, right? She raised, she had me when she was young, you know, she, let's put, put, put it in perspective. You know, my mother had me when she was 16. Um, she had to move from LA to San Diego on her own, 16 years old, has a newborn baby. Um, as you know, uh, 
has more kids at a young age, at, at a very young age, and is raising us and through either poverty and through hard work and blessings, opportunities and things that came, nothing came easy, so to speak, for my mother. So that example of just putting her kids first, putting her kids first, always putting her kids first was just a great, was a great example of, of what, a, you know, in my mind, of what a mother's supposed to be just no matter what gets it done for her kids. So you know, and then my stepdad gets uh, into the picture right around when I'm four years old, four or five years old. And my life absolutely does change, you know, military bound um, as far as our father. And he's who raised us. You know, we call him our father because he is our father. He's the man who stepped up to, to three beautiful children and raised mm -hmm. us and took care of us and has always just been there for us. So um, the so good, strong parents with some good fundamental direction or as far as like presence in my life was was uh was always there um not that it was always easy but it was always there so growing up you know i wouldn't say i i had everything that i wanted but i always had everything that i needed mm -hmm. and i was very grateful i was very appreciative i'm sure i may you know was a knucklehead when i was when i was a kid but looking <laughs> back at it i was i was absolutely grateful for everything that i was given and it, and it definitely made me want to have that for my kids and make sure that they never needed anything right i my father worked he went to work he provided uh yeah. he protected he did his role right my my mother took care of us she nurtured us house clean and she also worked and every they, they did their roles to the best of their ability and now looking back i really do see how it was done to the very best of their ability and they gave us everything they had so um yeah that would be the childhood in a nutshell it was two great parents that gave us everything they could and never really needed uh anything always wanted extra but um I had a great uh, balance in life with a lot of discipline from the military father yep. and a lot of nurturing love from my mother. I can, uh, I can, I could testify to that for sure. I, I, I witnessed that uh, when we were, I want to say 13 years old, you, you did live a little privileged life like all of us boys in Tierra Santa. Uh, <laughs> uh, we played on the same Pop Warner football team. And as you know, uh, that's not cheap, you know. Um, right. Wow, you're we, going. Way that's where back. we first met. Tony was. We were 13, 14 years old. I want to say eighth grade year. That was my first year. I skipped soccer that season so that I could prepare to play tackle football before a season before I went into to high school. Mm -hmm. And you guys, you 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 privileged kids over there at. Uh, had had been playing football for like years and that was my very first experience playing tackle football and that's where I met you uh for the very first time on our Kearney football team pretty crazy right I totally forgot about that <laughs> it's not that you needed that year of practice anyways you ended up being a super great athlete not that it's about you right now <laughs> yeah, man, it's crazy now we had some good times uh we had a really fun a fun uh fun team there but so then transition, man, we end up, uh, we end up going to the same high school. We end up playing in the sports teams together, football, uh, volleyball. And I think it's really that freshman year where we, we start to gain that friendship where you become, we become teammates on our volleyball team. And, uh, like just those memories, man, are gold to me in my mind. Those are just <laughs> such amazing times. And uh, 
So talk to me about your years into high school, kind of growing up into that, that phase. And then what, what ended up happening kind of towards the tail end of high school? Oh, I mean, I, it's one of those stories where it's kind of nice to start with the, with the end. So I never graduated high school, Jay. I yep. ended up being a high school dropout and it didn't happen overnight. It, it, it obviously was just an accumulation of events and decisions that continue to be made that kind of led it into that direction. And right before I uh, dropped out of high school, I dropped out of high school because I had a child that was born in my senior year. So I'd say freshman year, I went into high school um, just having a blast. And we did do volleyball and I had fun with all my boys and just different mix of crowds. Um, you know, part of my spiritual, my faith journey that I've had is, is me going back and, and remembering those freshman and sophomore and junior years and volleyball, how we would go out and we would do our travels and go to Vegas. And, you yeah. know, me and the knuckleheads, you know, we, you know, there was always a little partaking in extra activities that really didn't have anything to do with sports, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. And some of those activities, just it, decision after decision. And I remember calling you when I was, you know, starting to really challenge myself in, in my journey with Christ. I remember calling you and saying, you know, Jay, all those times in high school, you know, you were there. You were having fun. You were you were clowning with us. We were shooting it. We were always at game time having a blast. But the moment the room and the environment turned to the wrong direction, and you were always so kindly and so respectfully moved remove yourself from the situation. And you know, and I kindly and respectfully jumped all in head first because that was that was that was definitely who I was. And um, you know, I that always stuck with me, that piece of um you didn't have to be a Debbie Downer or or not that guy or not a fun person to be around with to make good decisions, right? And that life lesson didn't really hit me home until I was about 29 or 30. So close to 15, 14, 15 years later. Mm -hmm. um, so some of those decisions, like I said, uh, you know, I had a young relationship, high school sweetheart, fell in love super young, um, lots of freedom to manage my schedule, manage my time. And with some of that choice of agency, I decided to... Uh, have a baby because that was the decision that we technically <laughs> technically we made that decision ourselves at the age of 17 so um had a child young um and like i said my parents provided they 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 worked and when they had a family they did the right thing and when i had a, fa a child on the way and i was officially starting my family you know my parents told me it's time for you to be a man so at that very young age i had a child at 17 dropped out of high school at 17 immediately started working and trying to provide move out on my own get an apartment do all the things that um you know quote unquote it should be done of a good man if you're going to have a a, a a child of your own there's a set of things you have to do as as a as a father and um and although i do believe that my view of it was limited but that view of what i had i was going to do and um yeah and yeah that's yeah. that's kind of how some of high school transitioned into you know me being an adult real quick yeah well it's interesting from my perspective man like i remember those days senior year of high school we're having a volleyball game and in comes, you know, your girlfriend pushing a baby stroller. And it was like, shoot, man, like life got real, really fast. That and, guy. and, uh, <clears throat> you know, talk to, talk to me about what some of those very early days and that reconciliation had to, you know, you had to 
really reconcile the fact that, you know what, I, I have to drop out of high school. Um, I have to go get a job. I have to do what I have to do to support this really young family. And pretty much at, at 17 years old, you need to be a man. You know, naively enough, I can say that when I was 18 years old and we were having children because we didn't just have one and we didn't stop at one. We ended up having four children by the age of 23. So the way I can honestly describe it is I was very young, naive, love, felt that everything was going to be OK. Right. We work. Yeah. We'll provide. We'll take care of the kids. Uh, 2008 happened. Not sure if you remember that year, but that was a pretty rough year. Yes. Uh, things went pretty south for a lot of folks. And, you yeah. know, I had four children, unemployed. Um, uh, my kid's mother, uh, Cassandra, uh, she was holding on to her job as a thread. And we were providing for four children while I was a stay-at-home parent, i say, for their first five, six years of their life. And, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, and it was the best. Yeah. It was the best. We were broke and we were happy. We were simple. Yep. We yep. were simple. Jay, we would raising these four kids at such a young. I mean, I didn't know any better at the time. It just felt like I was with my family. I was with my unit. Um, thing things were good. I was we were taken care. Of. We had we had a lot of wants, yeah. um, but the yeah. needs were taken care of. And um yeah. honestly, I couldn't thank Cassandra enough for those three, four years. I mean, we I don't know how we did it. You know, being a stay-at-home father, uh, the first year is in a beautiful, it's a beautiful, beautiful blessing. But but uh, to all stay-at-home mothers out there, years two, three, and four, uh, gentlemen, if you yeah. don't know this, they are very hard, very hard. You you lose yourself. You as a male, you lose your, you know, you do lose some, you know, you lose some of that drive yeah. some of that pride some of that sure that male ego you lose some of that and part of it so for me i can't you know speak for other stay-at-home parents but i remember that transition that was that was tough that was tough being a stay-at-home parent into years two three four um but as far as the family itself we were together we were whole we we, we spent time together my i always have my sister over my nieces over it was very family oriented didn't have much um but we we had enough we, we had we had we had enough i love how i love how uh, you know i i alluded to this at the very beginning when we opened i said uh from an outsider a friend's perspective you always seem to just be standing in your power uh of your circumstances and never never did i see you once be a try and act like a victim of your circumstances and because your mindset was that Okay, I chose to have a family early, but now I have them here. They're they're on earth with me. I am their father and I am enjoying and loving these blessings like nobody else could. And I saw that. I was a young husband, okay? So I was uh, 22 years old, Marissa and I got married. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing you guys, you you and your three and a half children. I remember Cassandra was pregnant at that point. And I was just like, man, these guys are going for it. And I love it. Like I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be a young dad. And for me and Marissa, it took us 10 years to really try. And we were trying everything under the sun. And finally, you know, our blessings came 10 years later, but I do remember at that time, 
seeing a young Tony and a young Cassandra and, and you guys just living it and, and just enjoying the, the beauty in your family. And, um, you know, for me, I'm like, I, I really admired that. And so, um, I think that's a testament to you and being able to see, you know what, some decisions were made, but we're going to, we're going to love, we're going to enjoy, we're going to make this, make this happen. Um, so let's fast forward a little bit. Um, there's obviously some, some, um, challenges, right. That go with being a young dad, being a young husband. And, um, you know, for you and Cassandra, that ended up, uh, meaning that you guys decided at some age, at some point you were much better co-parenting, right. Right. Than, um, than actually doing this um, together um, under the same roof. And, um, and then, and then, you know, that, that took your life a separate direction. Um, you know, how, how was that decision to be able to transition from, you know, living under one roof, raising these, this wonderful family and continuing to raise a beautiful family and children co-parenting? For, for all of the, the listeners out there that have been through that, what was your right. experience? You know, there's three powerful questions in there, and I hope to answer all of them. And I hope I, don't, I hope I remember that perfectly. But the one that comes to mind is to every young couple out there at, you know, 24, 25, 26, 26 years old, 25 years old. And, um, you know, at that time when we were going through our divorce and separation and going through that, I could tell you this much. You, Cassandra and I, we're really close friends now, by the way. So she, she, she could sit right next to me. We would both tell you this. We would both say, we thought that was the only option. Like that was it. That was the yeah. last, that, that was the only decision left to be made yeah. was to be, we need to get separated. We need to get, we need to end this and, and figure out what, what's next for us. And we would both sit here today and tell you, we both know deep down that was not not only was it not the only option, it just it just wasn't simply the right option. We both feel that today. And I think it really boils down and stems down to we didn't invite God into our relationship ever. Did at the very beginning, nor in the middle, nor even in the end, was really God present in our lives and a part of our marriage, a part of our family. I truly believe that her and I you know, when we were going through it alone, two mortals living in living in the world and a whole lot of temporal uh, yeah. aspirations and trying to get it all resolved on our own. So, you know, that I, I do believe that we felt at the time it was the only decision. It, it, it wasn't. It, there's there's a, there's there are ways to go about um, salvaging a, a marriage, no matter what you're going through at that time. I wholeheartedly believe that. Um and time and time for, for those young couples out there that are married and that are hitting really tight, thin ropes I, I, with effort and some time and, and counseling. There's just amazing things can happen. And not to mention just our own mental psyches of what we're willing to accept and understand and comprehend a little bit different at a little bit older of an age, a little bit wiser of an age that you really feel like. No matter what, like I will never feel different about this topic. I will always that's that is that is not the case. So um mm-hmm. yeah, I do believe having God invited into our marriage would have would have made the world of a difference. And but now um 
gosh, what was the other question you had asked? You mentioned. Oh man, you're, you're making me recall what I just said. Um, I said, well, I mean, just, just doing like, um, you know, we right around 25 to 26 is, is, is when we really felt that was the only option. And it was, there was a lot of worldly influence and there was a lot of temporal aspirations that, that needed to be achieved on both ends. Yeah. And we didn't, we weren't getting what we wanted from one another. Um, yeah we ourselves weren't a hundred percent content with who we were as individuals made it very yeah. difficult to be good partners. And then yeah. over the next five years of the rest of my twenties, you know, you, you feel, you know, I, I, I spent those days living two lives. Yeah. Two lives, yeah. Jay. I spent for five years. I, I lived a solid two lives. There was one where I was super dad, four yeah. kids, yeah. soccer coach amazing yeah. let's do it yeah then there was non-custody days where i was like boom yeah. let's go and then it yeah. was yeah just balancing the two out what i mean chasing everything that i wanted and 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 not really investing in the few things that matter most that have right. just long-term happiness. So that's the same old age old story that everyone can say, but yeah, balancing the two was, was pretty wicked. Brought me to my knees, totally. literally and figuratively. Literally. I mean, it, it brought me to my knees at the end of the day. Um, you know, I still had a ratted, uh, tethered relationship with the mother of my children, which, yeah. which is terrible. Right. I mean, five years post separation, you're still, still at, 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 at odds with one another. <laughs> Um, the only real joy and happiness is the, the time that I spent with my four kids living that quote unquote, what I could picture a perfect life of just being involved with my kids. And then just, just seeking a whole lot of just worldly aspirations and yeah temporal, temporal solutions that were, you know, temporary solutions that were, um, you know, in the moment and did that for oh, years and, and right around 30, um, you know, a my physical health was deteriorating. I, I was, I was almost in a wheelchair, pretty much in the wheelchair from my back issues going on. Um, still post-divorce, you know, still dealing, you know, dealing with wrapping that up and, and both of us not closing up loose ends and just not really restoring our relationship. So, so focused on the path, children, um, growing quickly and growing fast and, mm -hmm. and being more in tune with things. And me knowing that these, you know, these are the critical years. They're, they're, you know, they're 10, eight, seven, and five years old. These are, these are years where a lot of influence is going to, it's going to start sticking. It's going to start hitting home. Um, uh, financially, I wasn't where I needed to be. I was jumping and chasing a franchise and business opportunities, trying to make the millions of dollars to be super wealthy and super rich and do all the hustles. And just, it, it, it just the five pillars, right? The health, the relationships, your financial, your physical, uh, your mental, uh, and uh, your spiritual, you know, all of them, they're all, they're all falling at the wayside. And it wasn't until, you know, I'm 39 years old and I'm a nine, almost a nine year convert into the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And roughly nine years ago, I decided to make God and Christ my everything. I made, I wanted, I wanted, I, I remember nine years specifically saying, I am so ready to pass over my life. Heavenly father, God, please take this, take all, yeah. of it. take, take it yeah. all. You know, you can have all of this, all I'm yeah. done. Um, you know, I was, I was at rock bottom and, you know, 
figuratively it was just it was just tough man i just couldn't i couldn't bounce it i just i couldn't couldn't find joy in in everything that i was trying to accomplish and when i stopped trying to to be the one to accomplish it and get it all done and really put it in god's hands so much changed in my life just i couldn't even tell you just the the constant blessings that just came in because you know it wasn't easy yeah it, i it, i it I can't even imagine. I'm going to interject really quick here because my perspective of when that change happened, I know exactly where I was when I got that text message from you um, via messenger where you said, Hey Jay, it's been a long time. Hope you're well. Random question. I know, but what's the difference between Christians and Mormons? That's what your question was. And then I said, wow, I love the question. It depends on who you ask. And I'm glad you're asking me. <laughs> <laughs> and I first said, uh, first off to clarify, Mormons are Christians. So you're in, you're in great company, brother. Um, and I said, uh, what what are you? What what brings the question? And uh, and you said to me, well, I got home one day. And I had some pizzas in my hand and I was walking in the house and I had the elders were walking by and uh, they they started talking to me and I invited them in for pizza. And ever since that day, I've had this like feeling in my heart that I, I need to keep learning. So uh, will you meet me and the missionaries at the Mormon Battalion Center in Old Town, San Diego this week? I'm having my second lesson or third lesson or whatever. I, I literally went, walked over to Marissa, who is also a convert who was baptized in high school. I baptized her at 16, as you know. Um, she just like was floored and was like, oh my gosh, are you serious? Tony from high school? Like what? This is <laughs> like Tony? Like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is awesome. So um, that was our perspective. Give you a little glimpse into like, what what that was like on our end and i will tell you um that's been one of the biggest uh oh that's been one of the biggest blessings man uh of my life is to see a dear friend learn of jesus christ and to not just know of him and learn of him and believe in him but also to believe him and to believe the words of christ and to and to see a life completely change um and i said that at the beginning i feel so privileged to have been a part of your story in defining christ in your life um so share with us tony from your perspective what what was that like learning about the gospel principles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and how that helped shape where you are today. You know, the that text message that you recall, you know, when you bring up that question and that story, it reminds me of, so three weeks prior to that, Jay, three weeks, three weeks prior to that is when I was on my hands and knees staying in a model apartment through the company 
because <laughs> I didn't have a roof over my head. And I was on the patio floor about midnight, staring at the skies, looking at the street light on my hands and knees and just praying for God to come, come back into my life. Because I remember a time when I was at a church or enjoying some church services where I, that's where I felt the best with my kids. And I felt if I can get back close to that. And sure enough, I mean, I couldn't even tell you how I, the spirit hits you and you feel you feel prompted and pulled like you too. Hey, as I mean, this is three weeks later, they're walking by and feeling so confident that I need to offer these young men some pizza, a meal, have a conversation with them. Because so often in the past, I was the first one to close the door, slam the door, say no thank you, walk in the other direction. Um, I can't tell you how often that actually has happened with missionaries. But in this moment, in this instant, I felt there was an answer to my prayer at that exact moment. And, you know, the it's, it's, it's easy to forget now, but, you know, nine years later, but that first year was very hard. The transition into 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 a faith where, you know, there's a lot of people that have an opinion. There's a lot of yep. family members who have an opinion. Yep. And at the at the same time, I'm the reason why I asked you that question is uh, so my at that time mo most of my family were Christian and the mother of my kids was Christian and it was very adamant that there was nothing to do with Mormonism at you know when I was when I was trying to transition um into going to church attending church and using my custody time on Sundays to be at church and um and it's no knock to their mother it's just that a lot that it wasn't a, enough information for her to know and, and there wasn't an example of a great man you know two years later that helped change that perspective right but okay. in that moment when I was joining the church, I was um, I had to make that journey alone. I had to do it without my kids, I had to do it without support, without family. Um, none of my family attended my baptism. Uh, none of my family really attended any of the services where I spoke. Uh, I, I I chose to I, I had no friends really at that time because it's kind of hard to mix in, uh, you know, alcohol and it's hard to mix in anything when you're struggling with temptation, right? I love right. all of my friends, but if I am not able to choose to be around alcohol or drugs or do or be around um, anything that could be of a negative influence and not be able to to maintain myself, I I had to technically you know remove myself from a lot of stuff that I that I held dear to me. And right. yeah, I said those first two years, it was a journey I did alone, and it was. It was the best transformation that that um that I that I never did alone. <laughs> That's right. You never did it alone. I mean, ah, oh, man. Uh, I remember. I remember those. I remember going to your baptism. Uh, I remember all of those. You know those moments. Um, I remember seeing. You know the light and the change in you. Talk about you know, how important it was to have that set of missionaries that you had and Elder Boston and, um, and Elder Cox. Oh, yeah. Cox. Cox. Talk to me about that. Um, well, I mean, they're, you know, they're just God's living angels. It's, uh, no, they're, no. They're, they, they, um, it couldn't have been any other two missionaries. It's it was so funny about it too, is it had to have been those two. Uh, but the, the impact and the influence that had in my life, I mean, yeah, I can't tell you how many times my four adult children. Now, mind you, my children are now 21, soon to be 20, 18, 
and 16. Those are the four children that I, I had with my, with, uh, with Cassandra, um, you know, some time ago. And I can't, t I, I couldn't count it on my hands and toes how many times they have told me the change in me, the change in as a father, the example that I lead, how often they have turned down alcohol, how often they have chosen the right and to be uh, model citizens, model students, model friends in very tough situations. And um, it brings me to my knees. I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful that, that, you know, any sooner, and I wouldn't even have listened to God any later and it, and, and it wouldn't have had the impact and influence on the next generation. It's, this it's it's crazy and then here you are i mean you were like i know you say you you know it was hard you didn't have any family support you know and literally it was like us you know like we we were we were that you would bounce questions off us i would go with you to church marissa and i would go with you and the kids and i remember each of your kids one by one wanted to get baptized on their own little by little we would be there and and it was just awesome. And I remember at your year, Mark, um, going through the temple with you and like having those really special moments. Um, your bishop was just unbelievable. Um, one of the best men I know. Um, you know, uh, Tyler Gould, one of one of the best people I know. And um, and him and I just talking on the side, like this is miracles this is miracles happening like we're watching it witnessing it we just felt so privileged to be a part of of your faith journey um and then some other miracles continue to just formulate within your life i know it didn't all of a sudden just turn rainbows and butterflies there were a lot of challenges um that happened tony but amongst those challenges you somehow with a teal collared shirt and a three-piece suit and roll up on a first date with this beautiful girl named Rachel. And she just so happens to take you up on the offer to take her out. And as the story goes for all the listeners and viewers right now, I'm going to tell them the top secret. <laughs> I'm going to tell them the very top secret. I told Rachel, she already knows that's so hilarious you call me up and you're like bro i've got a date tonight with this girl she she's awesome we've been talking blah 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 and she's a member of the church and she's just amazing and i'm going out to sushi sushi with her tonight and rancho bernardo and i said sweet tell me the restaurant me and marissa will show up and we'll just kind of like be a table nearby and like give you some confidence you know so um, that's the story. And uh, we broke the ice right at the end when we were done and saw you guys. And we're just, we were just so giddy for you. Like we were just so excited. So um, talk to me about the miracle that is uh, wonderful Miss Rachel Giroux and how she, you know, having her come into your life, how that's been a blessing. Uh, you know, like I said, those first two years, right, the transition and just sticking to it, changing who changing who I was inside and out and becoming the different version of Tony, right? The one that, not necessarily the one that I always wanted to be or the one that I thought I always wanted to be is 
doing everything I can to be a better version of myself, as Christ-like as possible, to be to be a Christ-like husband. That was priority number one, because I wanted I, I wanted those blessings that God talks about, the family unit. I wanted all that back. I wanted to I wanted that 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 core piece of my life that was missing was the family unit being married being happy sealed in a temple the the whole nine and um and i put that as priority number one and and it was it was that effort that landed me on um a dating app that was uh, a church-related dating app that kind of put rachel in front of me and just with the conversation the communication kind of going back and forth um oddly enough um you know, God's God's timing is is everything. She had she had a very long relationship um, that never turned into a marriage and never went to the next level. And it got mm-hmm. drug out for years and years and years and years until finally, you know, she said that that was that was no longer the case. And here I am in that whole entire time of that process while she's going through those seven years of of just uncertainty. God's fixing me up right i'm going through years of just idiot decisions i'm going through um closing chapter of of my marriage i'm going through refining myself as a father refining myself as a son of god and and though i needed that time i needed that time to be the right person so that way she can see the guy in front of who that's there today and uh yeah, I just got super lucky. I think that that date uh, was perfect. Your your meal ending and us walking right in and just like, oh my god, Jason, Jason, Rachel, meet my friend Jason. Jason, meet Rachel. <laughs> Go ahead and tell her all about me and how amazing I am, and then yeah. we'll continue from there. And you know that that date went went great, and we had more dates to follow. And within thirty days, I I knew the woman that she was, and sure, I didn't know all of who she was. I knew the woman that she was and I proposed in 30 days and six months later we were married. We are six years, six years in. You proposed how quick? 30 days after our first date. 30 days. Was there a hesitation? Was there a hesitation on her end? You got to be honest now. No, honestly, I was, well, here's the thing, you know, Oh, she knew I had four kids and we had opportunities to spend time with the four kids. But overall, um, I think she knew what the man that I wanted to be and become and continue to be. And and being a father and a provider and a husband and a man of God is, is absolutely everything for me. So oddly enough, I mean, the hesitation wasn't there. Now, don't get me wrong. All her friends and family, she talk her out of it. (laughs) Uh, I mean, they all try to talk her out of it, especially when I showed up with that rinky dinky old tiny little thing talking about, well, you want to marry me with four kids, girl? Here's a tiny little ring. But she said, but she said, yes, man. She, she definitely said yes. And, um, oh you know, I, I, I knew her worth. Yeah. That's the other thing, you know, I wish men could just grow up and sometimes see that and I knew her worth the moment, man, like yeah. what she brought to the table, who she was, the who she is and what she does and what she brings out of me. Right. Oh, I mean, yeah. she brings me to the next level. And I, I knew I had to I, I had to ask. I had to take my shot. Had you to. You took the shot, bro. Yeah. And I have to I, I would not be honest today 
if I didn't say, I was like, dang, Tony's shooting the shot right now. Because we were like, <laughs> we were, I could tell you that as my boy right now. But I, Marissa and I were like, man, he is, forget swinging for the fences. This guy's trying to hit it out the park right, right now. And sure enough, man, like we were, we saw how awesome Rachel was. And we know you were awesome, no doubt. But we're like, this guy's hitting his shot and seeing if it get, gets out the park. And, uh, and you did. And you guys both, the beautiful thing is like, she saw who you were. She saw who you were and she saw your heart and she saw um the good man that you are and um she didn't let uh perception um you know sway her because i think a lot of people could have let perception sway them and uh I, you know rachel i can't say enough good things about her um you know you Every time I spend time with Rachel, I feel like I'm a better person. She literally just lights up a room. She has the best energy, smile, all of those things. And you already know that about your wife. But um, but to us, we're just so like excited and happy for you, Tony. Um, we just celebrated what our 20th, um, 20th, uh, what is it? Um, high school reunion <laughs> oh, i say yeah, celebrate yeah, yeah. we just went to our our 20 year reunion and uh my wife marissa was wasn't able to go but um you and rachel showed up and it was just like i had known her for 20 years like the rest of you guys and it's just Goodbye. the coolest um and then you know you transition to you you guys get married uh you get sealed in the temple which by the way, like was one of the sweetest and coolest moments to to be a part of, to watch my really good friend. I've seen you go through all those phases that we've talked about today on the podcast and to see you kneeling so, across an altar with your beautiful eternal companion was like just another miracle that I was just blessed to be a part of. Um, and so a few years later, um, you guys have another blessing enter in your life by way of baby Roan. Um, talk to talk to us about that and and uh, how it's been being um, a father all over again, and this time perhaps from a new lens. Absolutely. So they, you know, just not to get too personal without my wife present, but this journey has been it's been rather, it's been rather tough. You know, mm -hmm. I, I do have four children. So this is, this is mine and hers first children, my fifth child. And this was no easy uh, path for her. I would say we, we thought we assumed that we would just be able to have kids since I've already had four kids. And that was the case, but um, there were some, some medical procedures that needed to take place for us to even mm -hmm. have children. And then once we had children, the odds of having children kept getting slimmer and slimmer and slimmer. And every year that went by, it got slimmer and slimmer and slimmer to eventually where we, we did a round of IVF and still unsuccessful and a second round of IVF. And then that is when we were blessed to have Roan uh, come into our lives. So it's through the grace of God, true miracle uh, that we even got to this place that we're at now. And, and and honestly, I couldn't be 
I couldn't be more happy for Rachel to for what she's gone through and what she goes, what she had to go through to get there and and to be patient in life through her entire 20s. Um, you know, single, not single, single, not single, whatever this guy led her to believe for years and then to be patient through all that to then marry a divorced man with four kids and then to find out you, you it's not easy for you to have children because you did wait so long and now you're 32 years old. So it and then it wasn't until she was 35 when she actually had Roan. So it took another three years of us trying to have kids. So I, honestly, that woman is has has put in the work and the time and the patience and still holds her faith strong, which mm. encourages me to continue to show up and be better. But here we are, right? I have a one and a half year old and, you know, gosh, right? My 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 four children that are pretty much all adults now kind of laugh and chuckle. You know, as I raise them so differently than the way I raise my son now, and but a lot more patience. Obviously, I'm closer to forty, and I'm not seventeen years old, so that plays a big part in it, of course, right? Um, yeah. My financial resources to provide uh, are a lot different than we were eating beans and rice. You know, all through their their younger age, and we were on WIC and food stamps and doing that life for about eight years uh so it's a bit different right obviously god has blessed me with to be in a different position and to be able to approach it completely different uh but my patient levels and uh i'm just really excited you know to be able to have Ron into the years where you know toddler young man and be able to raise him in the church and most importantly to have a companion and a partner in life that has same ideals and will help me uh, really create a foundation where I can raise this young man in in a different um, different opportunities and with uh, a different structure, so to speak. And and I'm oh, just very excited for him. Yeah, um, it's a huge blessing, man. It's it's wild and um, <clears throat> five kids. You know, the rodeo starts all over again, baby. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I and I've taken this opportunity to realize what matters most. Right, my kids, my yeah. wife. Um, yeah my time with them, the, the, the time I spend with them and, and how I allocate my free time. Uh, most recently, a year ago, I, I really involved God into my life as far as work goes, right? He's involved with my wife. He's involved with my kids. He's involved with my family. He's you know involved in my personal life. But how often do I involve God into my work and the decisions that I make at work? And it was really not at all, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, I, I treated those things separate in a way. But when things at work became chaotic and pulled me from home and the mental health and um, just a, a lot of negativity and chaos was, was would be at work and you would take a lot of that work with you home. And it just really didn't create a great environment, not only for me spiritually, but mentally and relationally with my wife. Uh, so, you know, it took a year to get to where I'm at today, but it took a year of praying on my knees to come to the decision where I was going to leave, you know, a six figure salary to do, to do a job that pretty much pays nothing, nowhere near that. But it offers me the opportunity to put wife and, and, and kids first church first, my a calling to, to help someone in church. It, it gives me the bandwidth and the margin to be available here, present and things that matter most versus striving for accolades and higher bank account and you know it's those those things never created the happiness that yeah. that i felt offered the, the greatest rewards absolutely i know you and i talked about this earlier before we started recording today and um uh, you know i've i've been fortunate enough to have experienced some success in my career um 
but it's funny how on the other side of that success um, comes the realization that, you know what, am I going to continue to go down this route? Is this really where God wants me to be? Am I, is my heart in the right place? Um, am I working from my values first and, 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 or am I putting my values and the things that are important to me secondary to trying to continue to chase, um, my quote unquote dreams. Right. Um, and, and it's interesting when I really looked at myself introspectively, my dreams were right in front of me. I have a beautiful wife. I have a beautiful children and um my dreams were already right there in front of me and i i realized that i needed to create a life that allowed me to be able to live from my dreams and from my values that would support that and so um you and i are actually on a very similar traje trajectory right now where we have both decided to um you know uh leave some of the corporate life behind and really try and be intentional about uh, building and creating something that uh, can can provide us more of a meaningful lifestyle. And so, you know, as a, so hats off to you for that, Tony. I know that's not an easy decision to walk away from a six-figure salary because it's been cons all consuming, right? Mm -hmm. That's That's a difficult thing to, to reconcile. Um, but it takes a lot of courage and a lot of faith to be able to do that. Um, so, so an incredible wife who says, you got this. I don't know how she does it. She's, she's calm. She's calm as a cucumber. And I'm freaking out, Jay. I'm freaking out, bud. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm out here grinding and trying to hustle and, 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 and work and, and gain, um, an income, uh, just through my own wits and resources and see if I can build, um, you know, my own entrepreneurship and, and she's calm as a cucumber and she totally has faith in God that everything will work out the way it is supposed to. And, and as yep. do I, uh, but yeah, if it wasn't for her, I don't know how I'd be, be able to make that plunge, but honestly, just, just the the freedom from the chaos and the stress has allowed me to really focus on on her and the baby and yeah. my four kids who are are adults. Mm -hmm. I can I'm it's it's just man, I'm so glad I did not waste that. I'm 39 years old and I turned 40 this year, and I'm so glad I am not learning this valuable lesson at 49 turning 50. Right. I'm I'm just grateful that I am putting aside worldly things money you know nice car I'm, i yeah yeah i had to sell a few things and i had to lower my overhead i had to rearrange some bills and i had to downgrade some subscriptions and i had to put things at a very reasonable yeah. um yeah. you know something manageable but all for the greater purpose of giving myself more time with family and yeah. the things that matter most so i i'm seeing the blessings in return and it's only it's only been 16 days, January 16th. It's only been 16 <laughs> days. Uh, so I'm I'm here. I love it, man. Well, I, I know, like I said, it takes a lot of faith, a lot of courage. The the title of this podcast is Fresh Courage. And um, 
that word to me, um, it, it means a lot of different things. Um, it means doing things that others aren't willing to do. Um, it, it means, um, you know, going, reaching outside of yourself, um, and, and digging down deep and, um, and finding that reserve well, if you will, uh, of fresh, fresh courage, the living water, which we know is Christ and tapping into that living water that just never runs out. You know, to me, that's what the fresh courage is, is when we tap into that living water and we let him in, we let Christ lead and we have the faith, then we can accomplish great things. And um, I don't doubt that you will accomplish great things with that mindset and with that faith. As we wrap up, Tony, we've had such an awesome conversation. We talked about, you know, uh, you know, you, you growing up, your your family growing into your faith, your beautiful conversion story, and and also, you know, um, marrying a wonderful, wonderful person in in Rachel. Um, let me let me throw this back at you, Tony. What does fresh courage mean to you? And how do you continue to demonstrate it and develop it in your life? So I think you nailed it with the fresh courage as far as what it means to me in the past. It's um it's deciding to to follow Christ when when everybody around you is telling you not to, right? And the only thing that's telling you to do it is is in your head and is in your heart. And um to me, that was fresh courage to to step up to the plate to raise your children, to do the right thing. Um, fresh courage to look, look in the mirror first before expecting the perfect, amazing wife that she <laughs> is, uh, looking in the mirror and making sure that she gets a, a perfect and amazing husband that even though I'll never get there, at least I want to be there. Mm -hmm. And that want and that desire to be better, it allowed me to, to find a woman of my dreams. And um, that was fresh courage. And, you know, fresh courage moving forward. You know, it's all, I feel like it's really Christ related. It's, it's stepping into the room, knowing that God's going to turn the light on for you. Ooh, it it really is. It's that's what it's always been to me. I, I, I won't even steal that one. That's, that's boasted, man. That's my missionary right there. He's, he's like, you know, Tony, for me, why don't, if I open this door for you and it's pitch black, all I'm asking you to do is walk through this door knowing that God's going to turn the lights on for you. That's mm. it. It's like, I, I promise you, that's all I'm asking you to do. I think, and no, no one's going to come in here and turn the lights on me, but I'll tell you what, the light that we're talking about is, is here, it's here, it's here. And if you want to continue to turn on the light in your heart and in your head, that's going to be my fresh courage for this year. I don't know what it is for everybody else, but the fresh courage for me in 2024 would be to turn on the light in my heart and in my head all the time. And that's, that's, awesome, that's my, brother. that's my goal. I love it. Step into the room knowing that God's going to turn on the light. So thank you, brother, for joining us.